0: Welcome back to Real Talk, a podcast focused on the reality of chronic illness. Every week, I'll speak with new guests to bring you an inside perspective for unfiltered Fridays. Here, we'll talk about dating, mental health, invisible illness stigma, balancing school with a condition, and more. I'm your host, Melody Olander. I'm a life blogger, Instagrammer, healthcare solutions grad, and founder of the nonprofit But You Don't Look Sick. Hey everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Real Talk. Today I'm going to be talking with Charlotte and Millie. Charlotte is the writer and Millie is the director of a short film currently being produced titled Chronic. Charlotte, if you don't mind starting us off, could you please introduce yourself and a little bit about your story and how it relates to Chronic?
1: Hey, um, I'm Charlotte. Um, I'm a writer from the UK and I wrote the short film Chronic that um, we'll be talking about today. Um, it all came about because I myself have a chronic illness. I was diagnosed with MECFS in 2014. So it's about six and a half years ago. And since then I've been on a long journey of different diagnoses, times being bed-bound, house-bound, um, having bouts of being a little bit better. Um, I was recently diagnosed with EDS and POTS and daily persistent headaches all in the last month I've had like more diagnoses in the last few months than I have in the last six and a half years which is just the way that it goes I guess Um, but I was approached by my friend Antonia who's an actor and in lockdown and she asked me if I wanted to do something together to make something. She's an actor. And she said, I'm in lockdown and I can't work. So let's do something. And I said, yes. And I sat down and I thought to myself, okay, I'm gonna write a short film. So 10 minutes. If I had only 10 minutes left of screen time ever again, what is the story I would want to tell? And that is how Chronic happened.
0: I love that concept that if I only had 10 minutes left of screen time or of my story to tell I feel like that really kind of gets you thinking differently almost and like what's the last thing I would want to say what's the last story I'd want to tell and it gets you (laughs) there's a lot of pressure because but unfortunately a lot of us are thinking that way like but I also say fortunately, because that's where some of our best work comes from. And I don't know about you, but I feel like getting diagnosed and having a condition, it makes me live every day like that. Like, okay, this might be my last day ever. And I know a lot of us think that way. So it puts a lot of pressure on us for that day and our life, but then it also relieves a lot of pressure because we realize this could be our last moment and we need to put the most effort and our hardest work right now because this is what matters i mean planning for the future for a week for a month from now that matters and that's important but we don't know if we have that and that's something different than most able-bodied people experience and could you kind of tell us millie a little bit about your part in this story and how you became involved with charlotte
2: yeah, I'm um, sure my, my name is Billy um, and I'm going to be directing Chronic, um, which is very exciting. I was approached by Charlotte and Antonia um, way back in the summer. Uh, they sent me an email just asking for general general film advice really. And I was um, obviously really pleased to help out. And they then they sent me the script and immediately I thought to myself, wow, this is a, what a massive coincidence and what a project. And I would love nothing more than To be involved in this, Um, and so I I mentioned to Charlotte and Antonia that it was a a subject that was very, very close to me. Um, A bit of context: uh, when I was younger, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome slash ME, and it played a huge impact while I was on my life while I was growing up. I'm quite fortunate now in that uh, my health is in in pretty good condition. Um, I've I've kind of come to a point now where I live a fairly um a fairly normal life, despite a few hiccups at university and that sort of thing um but I think it's impossible to ignore no matter where you are in your stage with chronic illness it's impossible to ignore the huge impact that it will always have on your on your life and whilst I'm incredibly fortunate to be in a position that I am now where i um have a job and I have friends and that sort of thing it's um it is something that is always there um in the back of in the back of your mind and it does it does in it does sort of interrupt your day-to-day I don't know day-to-day tasks So you'll be getting along with something perfectly normally and then suddenly there'll be a little reminder that you'll get a little flutter in your heart or um you yeah you'll you'll get a little palpitation or you'll get a uh mind fog or you'll just suddenly wake up one morning and think wow today is not going to go well (laughs) Um, and the what was so great for me to be asked to be involved in this project was that um because i was much younger um when i was initially diagnosed with with uh cfs me was that i didn't have a community to be a part of um and it's something that i i wish i'd had and even in the short amount of time that i've been involved in this project and talking to charlotte and also just being a part of the community that um social media campaign has has inspired and the general conversation that has come out of it has been a incredibly comforting but b very inspiring and very humbling Um, and I sort of for the first time feel um, like a part of a community that that really understands the experience because nobody's judging you on whether you're whether you were ill in the past or whether you're ill now or anything like that there is a universal experience there and there's something about that that has I found very helpful and quite moving um and I didn't I didn't I didn't necessarily know that I was lacking until I found it if that makes sense
0: <laughs> I get exactly what you're saying because that's exactly how I felt this the but you don't look sick community is relatively new we've been around a little bit over a year now and for me it was something too that so many people message me that the page helps them and that they relate to the posts. But for me, it also is helping me heal as well. And it's something that I didn't realize I was missing until it was there. And I realize now how beneficial it is to be scrolling through my timeline and seeing people like me, seeing people with dealing with their ports or their mainline catheters or being in the hospital or dealing with their treatments. It's feels better than scrolling through your timeline and seeing a bunch of posts that you can't relate with or that remind you of your old life in a sense. Because like you said, Billy, it's always there. It's always in the back of your mind, whether you're feeling fine that day or not there's something throughout the day that's going to remind you like, oh, yeah, I still have this condition. And so many people give that advice, like, oh, your condition isn't who you are. And I agree, your condition isn't who you are. But it is a big piece of who you are. And it does affect every part of what you do. It affects my workouts, it affects my diet, it affects my sleep. And Mm -hmm. to pretend like it doesn't, I think that's kind of, funny and (laughs) like it's kind of into that false positivity field where it's like I think positivity is great but too much false positivity and not being realistic I don't think that's beneficial and I think it's the same point that you're making it's always there it's always a part of our lives and the fact that you guys are actually involved in this community and making a film I think it's so important because as we talked about before, there's been some issues with unfortunately able-bodied people making films, portraying the chronic illness community and it not being accurate. And it being a very one-sided story that you can tell they weren't (laughs) filmed or written or acted by anyone in the community. And I don't know, what do you think is different having writers and directors and actresses actually involved in the community versus having able bodied directors and actors doing this job instead?
1: It makes every difference. It makes every difference. There, I think that there are sensitive ways for able-bodied people to write about disabilities. Um, and that goes for all minorities. But at the end of the day, you will miss things and that's not to say that every disabled person has the same experience by any means that that's not at all the case because I can write about my experience and so many people wouldn't have had that experience but there's something really authentic and special and transformative really when you're telling a, a real story um so chronic is obviously influenced massively by my life and my experience with an invisible disability within a relationship but it isn't the relationship that I've had so when I'm writing I'm not writing exactly my experience but so much of my life and yeah my experiences within relationships and friendships and that everyday is in there and I think when it it comes from someone's life, there is that authenticity um, that makes the representation count. You know what, there's 2.5% of TV and film characters are disabled in the first place. So the fact that it's a story about disability and invisible disability is very niche, although it's not because there are so many people that actually struggle with these types of illnesses. But actually having someone write the character who has had that experience makes, yeah, it makes a huge difference. And I'm really excited to get the opportunity to do this. I think what I've been most surprised about is in my everyday life, I feel lonely. That's just the reality sometimes of living with a chronic illness and and being mostly housebound, Um, especially within a pandemic, obviously. But I feel lonely and having started the chronic Instagram account and the fundraiser, having so many people follow and say, hey, I'm so excited you're making this film because, you know, it's like you said before, they're just a reminders in your day to day life. You'll be scrolling through Instagram and you think, oh, they've gone shopping today. I wouldn't be able to do that in a wheelchair or out of a wheelchair um, or I'm watching Gossip Girl or TV or anything and you see people do things and you think oh I, I couldn't do that it follows you around and it's hard um, and so it's amazing to have a community like yours and on social media just remembering that it's important that we're represented, it's important that we have a voice and and things on screen, TV and film, they're seen by so many people and it's an industry that's so huge and reaches so many people. It doesn't make sense to me that knowing that there are millions of people who are disabled in the world and who are invisibly disabled don't get represented and that when they do, it's not, it's not, in my opinion, the right way. You know, you have the disabled story where someone has a disability and they overcome it. Or they have a disability and they die. You have these two options. They have a disability and they get healed. They have a disability and they die. And then you have a third option, which is they have a disability and they're so inspiring. They're the most inspiring person like I've ever met. Where's the rom-com where they just happen to be disabled? Like sometimes you don't even need to talk about the fact that the character is disabled. There just is a disabled character. The whole film doesn't have to be about how they got disabled or things like that. I just think it's really important. and, And for those stories to be written by someone who actually understands, otherwise it's not real. It's just
2: imagined what um just sort of add to that what's great about charlotte's script is that it's sort of um deceptively simple it's about a young couple who are in love and everybody in the world whether they have whether they have a chronic illness and whether they don't has been in love at some point in their life or will be in their young life and this that makes it very accessible like it's a, it's a story it's, it makes it accessible to a much wider audience but the crux is, is that it's the sort of like minute detail of it is that it's about a topic that is unfamiliar to the majority of of the population and that's the that's the skill of charlotte script is that it really draws you in on a topic that feels very familiar by doing that i hope that it will really open it up to to discuss, it will make people discuss it it will open it up to a wider audience that can approach chronic illness as something relatable rather than frightening or overwhelming or completely alien to them. Yeah, that was one of the, well, it's not the only reason, but it was, when I first read Charlotte's script, it really hit me actually um, just how simple and how naturalistic it was and how much power that style has.
0: And I think that's something important that you guys talk about is the representation because that's something I notice when these films are even done, there isn't an accurate representation or an accurate portrayal of what it's like being disabled or what it's like being someone with a chronic illness. Instead, I feel like it comes from the abled body perspective where they're generally the hero for the disabled person. And you have stories where it's like the disabled girlfriend or or the disabled boyfriend and the abled body One is the one being the hero and showing up at the hospital and it really shows their struggles as opposed to the struggles of what it's like even being in that position so I feel like even when those movies are done it's not even at a chronic illness or disabled body's perspective it's again at the able body's perspective of giving them a hero persona of even being with a disabled person in the first place and then like you said they end up dying or they end up getting healed and they live happily ever after and it's frustrating when these movies are done just give us some sort of portrayal and then they're still not done correctly or like you said Millie just having them be chronic illness just is it's not anything that sometimes needs a big story or a big explanation like, and unfortunately we see it with film, we see it within the fashion industry. The chronic illness community is portrayed and included when it's beneficial towards them, when they can show off for their brand that they included someone in a wheelchair or they included someone that is plus sized when it works for their media, as opposed to just letting us be involved because they genuinely think we should be included. It shouldn't be a part of a bigger campaign. It should just be, this is the reality for us. A third of the population has some sort of chronic or invisible condition. And that number is expected to increase to like over 56% by 2021. And that's a lot of the population that isn't being accurately portrayed, in my opinion. And when it is being talked about, it's again not accurate. So, can you talk a little bit more about? I know we couldn't have Antonia here today, and she is one of your main actresses. Can you guys talk a little bit more about who your full team is and? why it's important having the team that you chose
2: and how your perspective is going to be a little bit different than past perspectives. When we first embarked on this I think it was important to us to, to build a team who understood fully what this meant because exactly as we've just been saying it's very easy to bring people on board who just have great skill, but they, they need to understand the nuance of of this of this film and this experience. Um, and initially I think we were looking to to build a, a kind of like female orientated team, but the at the moment the director, the writer, the two producers are all female. But as time went on, it became incredibly important to us to build a group of people who really, really understand Chronic illness, whether it's through their own experiences or through um, situations they might have had with with partners themselves, and so we've uh, obviously Charlotte and I are involved in this. Um, the cinematographer who we're hoping to bring on board has had personal experience through his um, through his relationships, um, and and runners we've, we're bringing on board have have experience with chronic illness as well. Um, and then Antonia, who you mentioned just a moment ago is who's our main actress is one of Charlotte's oldest friends I mean I don't want to (laughs) really leave Charlotte to talk about Antonia but they Antonia's been there since the beginning with Charlotte and has seen the seen the journey that that Charlotte's been on Um, and I think that's incredibly important and there is just something the benefit of not having to explain I think what The necessity of certain points in the script are or certain points of the experience are without having to because a lot of a lot of the script as well is about showing and not telling and i think that's the that's the beauty of it as well it's it's the it's the subtlety of it and you lose that subtlety if you're having to constantly explain to your crust and your crew why it's in there and so that's that was a huge part of it um, of bringing a team together in in that respect as well
1: um I got sick at the end of my first year of university um and I met Antonia in that first year so like Millie said she's been there she's been there since the beginning um and even throughout this process of building the story and me writing the script and her reading drafts when it was just the two of us at the start um there was an opportunity to have even more difficult conversations or even more vulnerable conversations about the realities of living with chronic illness. And we've talked about um, the film being for two sets of people. It was a group of people who are suffering and their carers. The people who feel alone and we want to feel seen and heard and that there's a space for you, not just on the screen, but in the world. Um, and the other people who have either never experienced chronic illness themselves or or anyone else in their life. The people who have never heard of it or the people even who have been the friends in my life and the partners in my life who have, and the family, who have not understood, who have thought that because it's invisible and I look fine, that there's nothing wrong with me. Or even the doctors who have told me that the reason why I've been in bed for four months and not able to move is because I sound like I have a cold and I should buy some nasal spray and then everything will be fine. Um, I want We want those people to, to connect with it on a human level like Millie was saying earlier. We all love and we all experience to some level receiving love, whether that be through family, friends, relationships. Um, And I was asked recently, describe chronic, what what is chronic about? Like in the shortest way that you can, and it's about love. Um, And we want to make room for people who don't understand or people who actively are anti, for some reason, Um, invisible chronic illnesses. And having a team that's made up of all of these different perspectives, the pe- people who are chronically ill or identify as disabled, um, people who have been, people who love people who suffer and the people who have never had personal experience of it. They're, they're all important bases for us to cover. It's something that I'm really looking forward to exploring more as our team grows and being on set with each other. Actually, you know, being physically in a room with each other and being able to see that and see all the je- different journeys that people have been on and and what they'll be doing to make a, make the film really.
0: And I think that's a important perspective to note that you're adding in as well. You're making this for partners of people who have a chronic condition or who are disabled as well. Because, I mean, I feel like even they don't have an accurate representation when it comes to those films or what it's actually like to be the partner of someone who's sick. Like, again, they usually give them the hero role of dating someone who's disabled or sick. And then again, the person either ends up dying or is healed. And if you're in the position of where you're dating someone who currently has a chronic illness it's not going to get better in some cases that's kind of a disappointing ending to where you realize like oh that person got better and they live happily ever after and that's not something that's going to happen for me this sucks and then i feel like again with your partner they see the same thing they see like wow that person got better that's unfortunately something that's not possible for my partner they're not being portrayed accurately and then again if the partner dies then that just is a crappy feeling too whereas you guys are giving a different perspective and giving us perspective for multiple groups of people giving that perspective for if you have a chronic illness if you're the partner of someone with a chronic illness if you've never been involved with someone with a chronic illness or disability at all. So that's kind of a question I wanna ask you as well, cause you mentioned it. What would you say is the, I know you said it's about love, but what is kind of your storyline about Chronic? And if people who are listening know nothing about it, what is it about?
1: So Chronic is about a couple in their 20s who move in together. And the day that they move in and they start unpacking boxes, um, Sadie, the lead character has a flare and it basically walks through for the 10 minute film, a week long flare and what that looks like for the couple and how they grow closer together and how their relationship is compromised. Um, yeah basically how they navigate a week-long flare yeah I think
0: that's a reality for most people with a chronic illness or the partners of someone with a chronic illness that's a reality of most of the time I mean it's not that we can't necessarily do activities it's just that if we do them we know we're going to flare afterwards like I went out on Saturday I went off-roading and I'm still dealing with a flare. And I knew that when I went out on Saturday, I'm like, this is probably gonna cause a flare, but I'm ready for it. I wanna do it. And that's the reality for most of us. We have to pick and choose what's worth a flare, what isn't, and then go about our days differently. And our partners need to make those changes and make sure to have that consideration as well for those different activities. And you said that this has to do some with your own personal relationships and then some of it of course is fiction as a writer generally does but what were some pieces of your past relationships that you wanted to make sure you showed in this film that I know there are going to be a lot of subtle things because if you're a part of the community there are so many things you notice just that we all go along. Our experiences are so different, but we do go through a lot of the same experiences. What are some of those things that you're adding in the film to relate a little bit more or some of those subtle things that you're adding in?
1: I think there are probably a lot of non-subtle things. (laughs) Okay, the first thing that comes to my head is when you, in my experience, having a chronic illness has made me really angry. Um, and have a complicated relationship with myself Um, and that kind of bleeds out on the people around you um, or around me so there have been I'm not a very I don't really get angry Um, I'm trying to be angry more often actually Um, but I don't really have a short temper so when I do it's normally because I'm in pain. And this story follows, um, Sadie has been sick for about a year, um, is is the idea in the film. So she hasn't had any diagnosis yet. She just knows that she's really sick and this scary thing keeps happening to her where she can't move properly and she gets tired for long periods of time, tired being an understatement. Um, And there's this one scene where they argue I guess it's the climax of the film and it all happens because her partner Rob is brushing her teeth and there's this really difficult this tension that I feel happens in relationships you know whether that be a parent caring for you a sibling a friend a partner but in in this story a partner where you're in your mid-20s and you find yourself almost like in a blink of an eye, you're able to run marathons to, you can't brush your own teeth. And there's that frustration where someone is caring for you and you don't want them to be caring for you. Not because you don't want them to be caring for you. Like you don't appreciate it, but you don't want to have to be cared for. And that's something that, that's the scene that happens in the film, that, that really difficult thing where the, where the partner is just wanting to help but there's that push and that that push away because the sick person doesn't, it doesn't want to have to have their teeth brushed or doesn't want someone to have to cook for them or, or pay the bills because they can't have a job because they're not well enough. Um, so that's something that's in there. The other thing is that there's lightness. I think it would be really easy to go down there. It's just so hard. And I wrote chronic not long after I'd, a relationship had ended for me, so it would have been very easy for it to just been all. Uh, and actually, it was Antonia that read a few drafts and was like, "I think we should make it a bit happier at some points because it's just really depressing." Um, so there are those moments, you know. Having been sick for six and a half years, I've had a lot of relationship and friendship issues. You know, I've had friendships end because I couldn't go to the gig or the birthday party um, or the pub sounding very British, (laughs) the pub, Um, but there have been beautiful moments. You know, I've had friends come over and sit with me in bed and paint my nails. And so there are some some moments in there where Rob is able to care for Sadie because he has the ability to do that. And also because she she allows him to do that in those moments yeah like like I said the whole film the whole film is pulled from a lot of stuff um that I've been through but those would just be a couple of things and I think that perspective right there is so different than most films
0: which is something that we can relate to and even our partners can relate to I know for myself personally I've I want to say caused so many of those fights just for being like Charlotte said like Again, I'm not an angry person. I'm actually someone that like, I avoid getting angry or fighting just because it's too much energy. But like, once I get to that point, I snap. (laughs) And for me, I've had some of those fights just because I was feeling crappy or I was feeling crappy about myself or that loss of control and then taking it out on the people I love. Like I, at one point ended up in a wheelchair, unable to walk, really unable to get out of bed myself, unable to do anything. And like you said, when you're in your twenties, the height of your independence, when you're supposed to be the most independent, going out to bars and parties and having fun with your boyfriends and friends, and you need help getting out of bed and to be pushed around in a wheelchair or your teeth brushed, it does make you angry. And it's not that you're angry at them for caring for you. You're angry at yourself that you need to be cared for. You're angry at yourself that you're in your twenties and you can't do this yourself. And it makes you feel like, for me, it made me feel like I was back to being a toddler. I'm like, I I can't tie my own shoes. I can't brush my own teeth. I can't push, like, I can't walk. I can't push myself around even in a wheelchair. And it's such a frustrating feeling that when you have those people caring for you, you take it out on them because you can't snap at yourself. I mean, you can have angry thoughts at yourself, but you're not gonna sit there and start yelling and fighting with yourself. So I think unfortunately we snap and take it out on the people that we love and those closest to us. And that's something that I think a lot of us have been through, I've been through there with my mom, having to have my mom help me and I snapped at her and (laughs) yelled at her telling her she's controlling me and whatever I've snapped at my boyfriend for not letting me be independent or whatever it might be because you're frustrated with yourself and the current situation you're going through and I think just little perspectives like that make all the difference.
2: Yeah it was I think for what what I found really interesting about reading the script is again what i was saying earlier about not realizing that there's this sort of universal experience and um as charlotte mentioned the sort of anger and frustration not only at the situation but at your at yourself and how how that can affect a relationship and no no matter how supportive or or possibly not supportive a partner is it's something that will infiltrate a relationship and i think what chronic hopefully will do is is prove that not only as love normal and as young love normal, but the relation, what's required of a relationship with somebody who's chronically ill isn't hugely different. All it is is just heightened. You just need to be, you need to be just as loving. You need to be just as supportive, but occasionally you will have to sort of be the carer. And that's a big ask from some people. I was thinking um, when we were just talking about being angry within a
1: relationship and, and, Feeling really frustrated with family for having to support you, and I remember you saying, Millie, that reading the script is interesting because you had these experiences when you were young, when you were a child. So I know that you have had an experience in relationships that that links to this conversation. But I was, I just wanted to ask, how was that for you as as a child, as someone younger, with family
2: having to care for you? it's a really good question because i i i don't know how to answer it quickly or succinctly um and it's something that i'm i'm definitely still working out and i think there's an element of when you're a child you are meant to be cared for like your parents are still in a in a role of providing a care of providing care no matter whether you're chronically ill or or not but i think the frustration i mean i'm hugely were well, lucky in that my family are amazing they've always been incredibly supportive there has never been a question from them as to whether um I was making it up or whether this wasn't real or whether I was just being a difficult child I think the biggest frustration for me when I was younger is what the chronic touches on and again Charlotte what you've mentioned before is the idea of not being believed by the medical profession because I was so young there was this weird um suggestion that it was all in my head and that I was just sort of coming up with this, this sort of young child was coming up with this story. And the thing that's always bothered me about that is what child puts themselves in a, in a situation where they can't play with their friends, where they can't have fun, where they can't engage in normal childhood activities like sleepovers or um, play dates or things like that, who, (laughs) what child would choose to spend all their time at home. And that was, that's the thing that is the most complicated because then that affects sort of your view. It does make you doubt yourself a little bit, even though you're, you're really, you're, you can't deny the sort of physical aspects of being chronically ill. In your mind, if somebody in, in a position of authority like a doctor is telling you that maybe things aren't quite right and you're young, then you start to believe them a little bit and that makes it incredibly complicated. So I am incredibly fortunate that my family always stood behind me and always said, it sort of stood their ground and kept going and kept going and kept going until they managed to find somebody who could provide a a diagnosis and be supportive with it. Um, I was also lucky in that my school was incredibly helpful. Um, They asked very few questions and they I think they were very good at adapting to to how I needed to to run my day and things. So I have always had a supportive network. The core network has always been there to be supportive. And I think in terms of relationships as I've got older, I've lost friends like you have Charlotte, even as a even as I've grown I've grown into an adult because um I mean going to university I was never the one that was partying until 3am I don't really drink I definitely I've never would never take drugs and things like that which is not a problem but when you're 18 and you're in a community of people where they've been set free and they're all going wild and you're the this like sort of loser in inverted commas who's like oh it's 10 o'clock time for me to go it's it's tricky I think like I said although it's it's okay now in that I, I live a very normal life and I think a lot of the people I've met recently would wouldn't know my about my past or I, I they're never around when when it shows um it's not something that I can escape and there's always this sort of shadow <laughs> following you around a little bit um and that it has definitely had an impact on on relationships both romantic relationships but also friendships and and things like that, and so despite the fact that it was I was at my most unwell when I was very young, it kind of comes back around to the, what we were saying at the beginning is, is it it never leaves you, and I the impact that I think will always it will always have on my life is something that I think everybody hopes will fade, but realistically, I think because it's so unpredictable as well like I I sort of live waiting for there to be a flare like a big a big flare and I think that's also quite frustrating because you'd hope that I mean for me it would be nearly sort of 17 18 years later I sort of hope I would hope that I could leave that that stress and that constant worry and that sort of like really sort of weird sediment of anxiety of it of it reappearing behind but I don't know I I I think that's why chronic was so important for me to read because yes I was a child but my adult experiences were laid bare (laughs) in Charlotte's script and that the idea maybe not the sort of specific um experiences of of Sadie's flair for example but the emotional side of it is so tangible for me (laughs) um that anger that frustration that confusion at times as well of why you're why you're behaving like you are and how you can't help but push people away even though you want nothing more than for them to be close and yeah I I had to put it down I read it and I had to put it I like put it down I had to walk away I had to go for a walk I had to like and it took me when Charlotte um, and Antonia sent asked me to be the director I And my immediate response was yes, 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 yes. But in the back of my mind, I was like, is this this a good idea? Like, is this going to open up Pandora's box? Are you going to end up being in a position where you can't direct this effectively because you're too, it's quite painful in a funny sort of way. And I, but then what I realised is that is exactly the reaction that we want other people to have, is to feel that experience, not the pain. (laughs) We don't want people to feel pain, but just that, have that intense connection to it. if you're you're within that community, but also even if you're not in the the chronic illness community, you'd have to sort of be listening with a blank screen and no headphones in for it to not have some sort of impact on you. And spreading sort of awareness is something that as I've grown older has become more important to me. Um, And I tried to do it (laughs) much less eloquently when I was at university with a short film Animation that I made, and I think what became, what's become more apparent is that it's very easy to talk generally about chronic illness, and you can talk about general symptoms, and you can talk about a sort of group of people, but by delving into an individual experience of a young couple, or by delving into the sort of like almost claustrophobia, I sort of like claustrophobic atmosphere of of a flare, is the only way of really illustrating. What it means to be chronically ill. I think Charlotte has has achieved something extraordinary here by making it by illustrating something so subtly and perfectly without being at all didactic. And I
0: think something that you mentioned there
2: that's interesting and that I find
0: in common with people doing art in regards to their healing journey or explaining what it's like having a chronic illness is, it's hard, but then it also is a healing journey for them as well. So it's, for me personally, I've done my art journal and I'm working on publishing a book telling my full story and it's painful going (laughs) through it and it's difficult explaining what it's like without opening up those wounds again. And you constantly go through phases of like, am I strong enough to tell all this? Am I strong enough to talk about this? And you definitely have to take those breaks, but I've noticed it's also very beneficial towards your healing afterwards and sharing that with others. It's scary, but it's also very healing in a weird kind of way whether whatever form of art it is, whether it's podcasts, movies, physical art drawings, I think all of that can be beneficial in its own way,
1: yeah yeah i think I think it I think it is good to have that narrative change out there and that perspective change out there from in everything, you know, like even within romance where disability isn't part of the story, this idea that you'll be saved, the woman will be swept off her feet and, and saved at the end is, in, it's in everything, you know, the, and, and if it's not in everything, it's probably because there aren't any women in, it, in the film. Um, but it's hard, you know, I feel pressure. 10 minutes is short a 10 minute film is really, is really short. And I am the kind of person that wants to tackle it all. Like I wanna make a change with it all at once. And there was a one point where I had to, something that I learned at film school, a drama school, I had to say, you have you have to ask yourself, what am I writing? Um. Because you can't do everything in, Two hours, let alone 10 minutes. So, talking about changing these perspectives and bringing a different narrative makes me excited. But then also, I get nervous. <laughs> oh no, have I not done, like, have, have we not done enough in 10 minutes? But I think with the 10 minutes that we have, we're starting conversations that if I'm lucky enough to have a career in film and things that I would want to talk about
2: the whole time um yeah yeah I think the start starting the conversation is the important bit because I think if you put exactly as Charlotte said there's as this kind of grew and this community grew behind this film then you do think to yourself oh wow are we gonna do justice to this are we going to be able to give this community what they're after but I suppose it's just really important to sometimes take a step back and be like baby steps baby steps we're not we can't change the world overnight and the very fact that we're we're embarking on this on this project is is significant in itself particularly with the team and 10 minutes is the perfect amount of time to capture somebody's imagination for something that they're unfamiliar with and going back to what we said before if if that 10 minutes even in, in just that 10 minutes you can change two three four people's perspectives on something then you've achieved something monumental and sure the whole we're not going to change the uk or the world with with one film but it's it's the building blocks these this is the foundation of something bigger and um i don't think you can underestimate the power of of the small things sometimes um whether it's film but also if we're talking about relationships like just the the really small things that you can do within a relationship to make someone feel worth it i mean charlotte what you were saying about gaslighting yourself and um also possibly not giving yourself enough credit in a situation where you think oh my gosh they like me therefore i have to love them then am i going to be my partner for life because they will um put up with me or whatever you in your mind you think how the narrative that you create in your mind i think it's really important that people Give themselves, give themselves enough credit, whether it's sort of us starting this conversation or whether it's people embarking on a relationship with whether they're the carer or whether they're the, the, the person with chronic illness. You've There's just so much to do. There's so much to all of these things that you've got to take it slowly.
0: I think what you said there about how these are the building blocks and we're not gonna change the world overnight is crucial for us to talk about and why so many people don't start these projects. Why so many people are afraid to even publish or share their work because they feel the same way or sharing their story. So many people tell me on Instagram or on the social media world, like I don't talk about my story because I don't know where to start or I don't wanna like spit up like everything like in one post and or they're like, no one's going to care about my story. It's not going to change anything like your profile did or X, Y, Z. And it really is just those small building blocks for, if there's one person trying to make a difference, trying to start that conversation and they have that conversation with one other person and it gets through to them, think about the spark that you just started because that one person is going to go towards one more person and one more person. And then you created this chain of change, I think. And that's how I think of everything. I think an act of kindness, a small act of kindness can have a chain effect on people's lives. And I think the same with advocacy work. I think a small perspective, like it doesn't need to be anything giant like telling the world an entire your entire story or giving all the views but being genuine and just sharing a perspective will make maybe one person feel less alone but maybe it makes half the world feel less alone you don't know until you release it but in my own perspective and in my own experience the genuine work that I share And the work that I thought most people wouldn't react to or care about whether it's art or posts, I've gotten the biggest responses from. And then if I'm trying to think about everyone and include everyone, I've noticed that's like my work that doesn't do the best. And it's really about staying genuine and telling your part of the story because you're the only person that can tell that part of the story and you can tell it best and you need to tell your genuine story and people are really gonna relate to that and care about hearing that. So I think it definitely is an overwhelming task at the end of the day to produce this film. But I think many people are gonna see about how genuine you guys are and about the narrative that you guys are trying to portray.
1: I hope so. And I- and I think so, I believe so. Um, there's Yeah, you talking about it, it being scary and, and a weight. Vulnerability is vulnerable. It's hard, it's not easy, but I do think that there is massive strength and power in in sharing stories, even if that's, I think that especially in this social media age where there are a lot of friendships and relationships that happen remotely especially at the moment and over social media it's it's very easy for, for anyone to put out the perfect version of their life and when it comes to having a chronic illness especially in the in the early the early days of having a chronic illness I would imagine you know it's easy to just you don't, you don't even have to tell anyone especially if, if you have an invisible disability you don't have to do the post where you're in the wheelchair or or a post when you're in the hospital or or anything like that you know it, it can just go unnoticed and actually being brave enough to have a conversation with the one person in your life um or with the small following that you have I mean that's really brave um that is really scary because there are so there is so much stigma and people have judgments and and things like that but if, if you're vulnerable in safe enough spaces, I think it does pay off. And, and all art is vulnerable, I think. Um, I started art journaling when I got sick, in the first year that I got sick. And sharing those posts was a scary thing. But there's been such an amazing community of people who are doing the same, people who are chronically ill, people who aren't, people who are suffering with their mental health um yeah it's special it's it's special and i would encourage people to take a, a tiny scary step like that
0: i agree completely and i just wanted to say thank you guys so much for coming on here and sharing your story and talking a little bit more about chronic because I know when I first came across it on Instagram, I thought the concept was amazing. It was beautiful. The fact that it was a story being told by people who suffer on a personal level with chronic illnesses, I thought that was extremely authentic and different than many films currently being produced. So if anyone wants to check them out for themselves, you can see them on Instagram at chronic film I also have it in the description for this podcast. So thank you guys so much. Again, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. And I will also be talking with Charlotte and Millie a little bit more on my Instagram Live and answering some questions that you guys have. So until next time, thank you.